0: This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russia's Ministry of Defense said its forces had captured Solidar after months of hurling regular troops and mercenaries at the eastern Ukrainian town. Ukraine's spokesperson for its troops in the east, however, said that fighting continued and accused Russia of, quote, dispersing information noise. A Russian success would mark the country's first victory in half a year and pave the way to cut off the nearby city of Bakhmut. America's Treasury Secretary warned that the government will be unable to service its debt by June unless Congress raises the statutory borrowing limit. Janet Yellen said that starting on Thursday, the government will have to start repurposing funds to pay its bills. Raising the debt ceiling from $31.4 trillion is needed to avoid a sovereign default. With Republican fiscal hawks newly empowered in Congress, brinkmanship awaits. J.P. Morgan Chase, America's largest bank by assets, reported that profit in the fourth quarter of 2022 grew by 6% year-on-year to $11 billion. That owed much to higher interest rates and an increase of 48% in net interest income the gap between lending revenues and borrowing costs. But the bank set aside $1.4 billion in anticipation of credit losses and predicted a, quote, mild recession ahead. The Biden administration will seek congressional approval to sell F-16 fighter jets to Turkey, according to the Wall Street Journal. The $20 billion sale of 40 aircraft will be conditional on Turkey ratifying Sweden and Finland's bids to join NATO. Turkey recently put its Russian-made S-400 missile system in storage. In 2019, America had canceled a separate aircraft sale to Turkey in protest over that purchase. Brazil's justice minister said the federal police would request that America extradite his predecessor, Anderson Torres, on Monday if Mr. Torres fails to turn himself in. Mr. Torres was in charge of public security during the Brasilia riots on January 8th, though he was in Florida at the time and remains there. He has been stripped of that job. There is an order out for his arrest. A New York City judge has fined two companies belonging to Donald Trump a total of $1.6 million for committing 17 felonies, including tax fraud. The businesses were convicted last month of paying their top executives with untaxed perks, such as apartments and Mercedes-Benz cars. Mr. Trump himself was not on trial. Britain's economy unexpectedly grew by 0.1% from October to November as pubs and restaurants filled up with people watching the World Cup. The figures suggest that Britain could narrowly avoid recession, defined as two-quarters of contracting GDP, at the end of 2022 but strikes continue to weigh down the economy, which is still smaller than it was before the COVID-19 pandemic. And word of the week, Narco Corrido, Spanish for drug ballad. These are songs about crime bosses and their activities and are performed by some of Mexico's most popular bands. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. America and Taiwan Talk Trade On Saturday, American officials will make a rare visit to Taiwan to resume talks on trade. In some ways, this is a trade negotiation like any other. The Americans, led by Terry McCartan, an assistant trade representative, will raise familiar concerns about Taiwan's import barriers, especially against pork and beef, labor standards, and state-owned enterprises. But the geopolitical context is unique. Taiwan, which China regards as a renegade province, is feeling diplomatically isolated. It is not a member of either of the big trade agreements in the region, RCEP, which includes China, and the CPTPP, which does not. Nor was it included in America's new Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, which aims to increase America's commercial appeal in part of the world falling under China's economic spell. Taiwan thus welcomes the negotiations as a sign of America's commitment to the island, Trade negotiations can be bruising, but Taiwan will prefer tough talks to silence. Germany weans itself off Russian gas On Saturday, Olaf Scholz, Germany's chancellor, and Robert Habeck, the economy minister, will travel to Lubman on the Baltic coast to open the country's second floating terminal for liquefied natural gas, LNG. It is another milestone in the country's effort to reduce its consumption of Russian gas. Until the end of last year, Germany had no infrastructure to import LNG. Its other terminal opened on the North Sea coast in December. A third will soon open there too. By the end of this year, Germany will have inaugurated half a dozen, providing enough import capacity to cover a third of Germany's total gas needs. To build LNG terminals at such speed has cost the taxpayer billions of euros, but it will help ensure Germany can get through the next winter without gas shortages. Big Brother Returns to Africa One of the world's best-known reality television shows returns to Africa's screens on Sunday with a special edition called Big Brother Titans. Contestants from the rival continental powers of Nigeria and South Africa will be pitted against each other for the first time. And there's $100,000 on the line. Spinoffs of the TV franchise have been a huge success in Africa since it first aired there in 2003. Initially, there was Big Brother Africa. DSTV, a broadcaster, has often hosted channels carrying nothing but 24-7 live streams of the houses where contestants live together and try to avoid being voted out. The last one standing takes the cash. Showmax, which streams DSTV’s content, reported in 2020 that Big Brother Niger, Nigeria, a national version, was its most watched live stream ever. Nigerians made up only half its viewership. As the continent-wide edition returns, there is hope that its mix of scandal, romance, and high drama will again have Pan-African appeal. Boiled peanuts used to treat allergies. Between 1 and 3% of people in most countries must scrupulously avoid peanuts or risk anaphylactic shock, and the allergy's prevalence has tripled in the past two decades in America. To help sufferers, researchers have been experimenting with exposure therapy using boiled peanuts, which washes out some of their immunoreactive proteins. This may be why peanut allergies are less prevalent in East Asia, where people usually boil their peanuts. The latest results, published in the journal Clinical and Experimental Allergy, are promising. In the trial, 70 children with peanut allergy underwent a year-long peanut training regimen. They began by eating some peanut boiled for 12 hours and escalating the dose every week. Eventually, they could nibble peanuts boiled for only two hours. And after a year, most could scoff 12 roasted peanuts at a time. A slow process, but surely worth it to spare people the EpiPen or a trip to the hospital. For these children, at least, the label, quote, may contain nuts, is no longer tantamount to a skull and crossbones. Weekend Profile, J.R. Mooringer, Prince of Ghostwriters As John Joseph, known as J.R. Mooringer, put it himself, quote, the midwife doesn't go home with the baby. Such is the lot of ghostwriters. You might expect Mr. Moringer to observe his own rule with extra rigor after he midwifed Prince Harry's torture-and-all memoir, Spare. Yet the furore surrounding the book has prompted Mr. Moringer to bend it, mainly by defending several inaccuracies on Twitter. Perhaps that's because Spare is just as much Mr. Moringer's work as Harry's. From chimps to champs to princes, Mr. Moringer can find a written voice for anyone, especially if they have daddy issues, and a very large advance. Mr. Moringer, born in 1964 in New York City, started work as a journalist at the New York Times. He once inhabited the voice of Cheetah, the chimp star of the 1930s Tarzan films, to write a piece marking his 75th birthday. But Mr. Moringer's own memoir, The Tender Bar, published in 2005, established his real theme, how to survive dysfunctional families. Mr. Moringer writes of his absent, quote, brutally insensitive father, a rock and roll DJ. For male role models, he had to make do with the alcohol-soaked camaraderie of Uncle Charlie and his mates in a bar. The narrative of a lost boy striving to find his true self caught the eye of Andre Agassi, a tennis star of the 1990s with an outrageous mullet. He asked Mr. Moringer to help him write his own memoir. Confronted at first by a, quote, stilted, resistant Mr. Agassi, Mr. Moringer unlocked his subject much as he must have done with Harry with some 250 hours of interviews. The process bears a close resemblance to psychoanalysis. Harry calls Mr. Moringer his, quote, confessor in the acknowledgments to spare. Mr. Agassiz's book, Open, was revealing. It turned out that the Wimbledon winner hated tennis. Even the mullet was fake to hide baldness. And, of course, there was the emotionally distant father. So, as the publishers must have realized, the Moringer template was a perfect fit for Harry. But what suits publishers may not have best served the prince, who might have hoped to emerge with a bit more dignity. In an age of selfies and social media exposure, however, dignity is not going to sell books. Prince Harry chose the right ghostwriter to do that. Quiz Winners Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random, were... Paul Nathaniels, Toronto, Canada, Rick Mulder, Hilversum, The Netherlands, Chad V. Henry, Cleveland, Ohio. They all gave the correct answers of Master and Commander, Guardians, Titans, Wizards, and the Pelican. The theme is sports franchises that have changed their names, the Washington Commanders, formerly Redskins, Cleveland Guardians, formerly Indians, Tennessee Titans, formerly Oilers, Washington Wizards, formerly Bullets, and New Orleans pelicans, formerly hornets. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Anne-Louise Germaine de Staël: Life often seems like a long shipwreck, of which the debris are friendship, fame, and love.